I joke that uh, the smartphone was the end of society, sort of. I, lo I love my <laughs> iPhone, don't get me wrong, but, um, but it hasn't made us smarter, right? Yeah. We're, we're more, um, more apt to be impatient because we get instant information from Siri. We don't have to pull out an encyclopedia or a map anymore, so we're not really as smart in some things as we used to be. And interestingly, social media has made us, has decreased our social skills. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to episode 169 of the Camino Voice. Today, I speak with the founder of Camino Counseling. Please welcome Dan Abshir. Hi, I'm Brandon Erickson, and you're listening to the Camino Voice podcast, where I interview local business owners, comedians, singers, and more. I dive into their backstory to find out how they got where they are, what are some of the tips for you to do the same, and find out where they're going. Tune in every week as I interview more of the people you see every day. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Kamena Voice, where we release a new episode every Tuesday. Hope you guys had a good week. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed, um, yeah, my last episode um, with Satin. That was a lot of fun to go talk with her and kind of go over all of the different things that they're working on uh, with Safe. Um, and uh, I just got back from a great weekend. I got to have the weekend away with my wife, which was a lot of fun. Uh, we've got four kiddos, so getting away for the weekend is fairly difficult. Um, so, uh, but that was a lot of fun being able to go. And we actually got to go to the Emerald City Comic Con, which we had not been able to do before. Um, and that was just really cool. Um, I've, I've been a nerd my whole life before it was cool. Um, you know, I was into Pokemon and, and all of those different things well before they had the toys of Pokemon that you could actually purchase. So I'm always jealous of my kids when they get those things. Cause I'm like, I, I had to make up like, you know, a plastic animal was a Pokemon. Um, anyways, but I digress. Um, it was a great time though. Got to hang out, uh, and, uh, see a lot of cool, uh, people and see some, um, neat speakers. Um, we got to hear David Tennant, which if anyone listened to Doctor Who or watched Doctor Who, um, he was a big part of that. Uh, and got talked to, and, or got to see a lot of other, um, neat actors and, and actresses that were there. So, um, that was a lot of fun, um, but something stood out. Uh, my wife and I were talking about this: is the the nerd community that has has obviously it's grown a lot in the last um, well, I don't know, twenty years now. Um, but it gets bigger and bigger, right? Because it, it expands and it grabs and it holds more and more people. Um, but one thing I've really loved about that community that I've seen is just how accepting they are. Uh, there's been so many people that they've brought into the fold and into the group. And um, every time there's a new person or new group or people or whoever that gets interested in, and join in, um, I always feel like it's a very welcoming community. Um, so I just think that's a, it's a really cool aspect of, of that piece. So I'm very proud to be uh, part of that group. And um, it was really cool to be able to see all of that. Um, so anyways, if that's a, that's a, another, I guess that's a plug. If you ever want to go, uh, to Comic-Con, it's great fun. You see some really cool costumes there. Oh my word. That was really cool. Just the amount of work people put into these things. Uh, it's just awesome. So anyways, that's my plug for Comic-Con. Uh, check it out, uh, and go if you can. Okay. Uh, into this podcast, um, so I got to talk with Dan Abshear, which, uh, as I mentioned in the intro, is the founder of Commando Counseling. Um, and we get into how we kind of got connected the first few times and 
um, everything. So I'll let the, that get in the podcast. But Dan um, has such a heart for this community um, through counseling and just wanting to make counseling accessible to everybody. Um, there's a lot of nuggets and things I pulled out of this podcast that um, I just think are, are useful in everyday life. Uh, there are things you can practice with, these tools that he talks about. Um, and and uh, we talk about this, uh, an acronym called STOP. Um, so listen for that in the podcast, and we're going to go and talk through all of that. But there's just so many different pieces to this that I think are just useful that everyone can benefit from. Um, I think counseling is such a uh, useful tool for people to, to experience. Um, so I'm very excited about this podcast. We had a great time. Dan is just such a great guy. He is so much fun to talk to. And uh, he's hilarious and, um, like I said, very, very big heart for this community. Um, so without further ado, here's my conversation with Dan Abshir. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Kamano Voice. Today, I'm here with the founder of Kamano Counseling. Welcome to the podcast, Dan Abshir. Hey, Brandon. How you doing? Thanks for inviting me. Good. Yeah. So for those of you listeners out there who don't know, uh, there's a second podcast I also host, which is the Welcome to Kamano Island podcast, which is put on by the Kamano Chamber. And we had Dan on as a guest there. And I enjoyed our conversation so much, and I wanted to dig deeper in a lot of it, that I was like, you need to jump on the command of voice so we can go longer at that. So that's why he's here. <laughs> but you're not mentioning I was just a fill-in because the original had to back out. So there's a caveat to that. <laughs> but it was a good fill. It, was, it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't a downgrade or anything. It was great. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> All right. So before we get started, tell us a little bit about Dan. Um, moved here uh, about uh, five, was it six years ago? My gosh, uh, 2018. Wow. Uh, originally from Fresno, California, and left there after college and traveled the world, uh, serving in the Air Force. Okay, awesome. Um, so you grew up in Fresno. What was that like growing up there? Uh, I loved I loved Central California, uh, not as much as Camino, of course, but uh, because very diverse population. Um, and farming, a kind of r- uh, rural and small town. Um, so I loved the I love the community and the, the people around that area. But again, not better than Camino. <laughs> <laughs> How was that area? Because so many places have just kind of exploded uh, in population and growth and stuff like that. What is it like for you when you go back to Fresno? Is it completely different? Um, well, I think you know, like most. A lot of places, crime has gotten worse. Uh, pollution was always a little bit uh, not great. Um, so change-wise, though, um, you know, I don't go back that much to really tell. I still can't see the mountains because of pollution, and that's one of the reasons I'm living here. <laughs> okay, very cool. So, um, so uh, you said you went to the, jumped into the Air Force. Was that something that, from a young age, you were interested in, or what kind of led you that way? Oh, it's funny. Um, I told some of my students when I was teaching in school counseling that one of the reasons I wanted to be a pilot was because I thought the, the TIE fighters had the coolest pilot uniform in the world. So TIE fighter pilots in Star Wars was one funny reason. The other one was uh, I watched Magnum P.I., and I was a huge TC fan. I wanted to be TC. Yeah. So uh, I wanted to fly helicopters originally. Um, went a different path in the Air Force, but I uh, actually got to fly a Loach or Little Bird, um, McDonnell Douglas 530, um, on my last deployment. So I got to live my TC dream for one day. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's awesome. So, so were you, you actually went through all the, the flight training and all that then? Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Um, so with doing that, was that something that um, you ever thought, like, once I get out of the Air Force, this is what I'm going to do? Um, not really funny. I'm kind of different like that. I love flying, but it wasn't my passion. It was a lot of fun. I mean, doing cool things like flying low level into Micronesia to set up a, a Chinese refugee camp and then building, you know, hand offloading supplies to build a church or school and then going into blackout landings and in foreign countries. I mean, that was really cool. Right. Or we're staying in a five star hotel some other country. <laughs> but since college, uh, I, I started doing some volunteering. One was at a Musco dystrophy camp, and I got the bug to help out kids. I had a hard time um, growing up a little bit, and I, I thought that's what I was here for, to, uh, to help kids um, that are having a hard time in middle school and high school. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So is that, <clears throat> so uh, did you go to college uh, after getting out of the Air Force then? Well, I, I joined the Air National Guard to help pay for college when I was still in high school. And then uh, in college, I did ROTC, which paid a little time, helped pay a little bit. It was a lot cheaper back then, though, of course. Yeah. Um, and then I went active duty um, Air Force after college. Okay. So, you, um, so when you went to college, you did go for counseling then at that time? No, no I, okay. I didn't. Um, I, I need it's funny uh, I, I originally went in for political science because I thought it was interesting okay and then I said well this isn't for me and I found out that to be a pilot you could do underwater basket weaving and no one cares so I'm like geography sounds cool and geography was fun meteorology but it was a lot easier um, <laughs> I didn't start my counseling uh, education until 2002 um, but we were a little busy uh, that was right after 9-11 uh, so that was probably not the smartest thing and then I had to, so that was the first attempt on my counseling master's. And then the second one was in 2014, I want to say, or 2012. Um, and then I couldn't finish it then either because I got deployed. So I had to wait till I got out of the Air Force to finish my counseling degree. Okay. So then, so during the time you were in and out of the Air or like in and out of active duty, you were trying to go get your uh, counseling and, and finish that all out. Yeah, um, at some point, every everybody in the military, if they um, if they stay in for a while, and depending on rank they're at, they have to get a master's. So, I just went and got the I'm, I'm joking uh, the easy the easy path, Embry Riddle, <laughs> which every pilot goes and gets. Um, and then um, and the reason I couldn't do the counseling one is because you have to do practicum and internship. So it's a year and a half of of uh, practice, uh, which is no way you could get out and do that. And plus, I would move, and then the school would say, oh, you can, you're in another state now or another country. You can't do it anymore. Uh, so I just had to wait. Okay. Um, so then it was during the time you were in the military, though, that you were kind of realizing that you, you wanted to go in that direction. Um, yeah. Um, in, in college, I realized I wanted to be a counselor, then, but I kept trying to get the schooling done. And, and then I practiced by coaching. Mm-hmm. I coached every sport. Google coaching, of course. You know, I've only played you know, soccer as a kid. I, I, it was all Google. Um, but every sport I could teach for my kids or football before I had kids. Uh, and uh, I did some, um, some after-school uh, tutoring, too. Mm-hmm. Something I can do to help kids... Uh, <clears throat> when I wasn't at work with my family. Yeah. What were the things that you were noticing? Uh, just because the, the landscape of what kids go through today, a lot of the, the way they interact or things like that are probably similar. I know there's patterns and stuff through that, 
but it feels like a different landscape. So what was it kind of like back then? What were the things you were noticing for these kids? Um, I guess a couple things. I mean, you know, we all grew up around, you know, uh, drugs, right? And um, different opinions on that stuff. But now with it legalized, you know, I'm hearing that, you know, you know, smoking marijuana is just as common as us drinking back when we were kids. And both are harmful, uh, but there's a lot of um, there's a lot more there's a lot of researches coming out that you know frequent um, marijuana use can uh, lead, can promote anxiety and depression, which we're already which we're seeing for other reasons. Mm. Uh, the other one is um, social media, of course, and, and cell phones. I joke that uh, the smartphone was the end of society, sort of. I, lo- I love my <laughs> iPhone. Don't get me wrong, but. Um, but it hasn't made us smarter, right? Yeah. We're, we're more, um, more apt to be impatient because we get instant information from Siri. We don't have to pull out an encyclopedia or a map anymore, so we're not really as smart in some things as we used to be. And interestingly, social media has made us, has decreased our social skills. Mm-hmm. So, and we talked about this last time. Um, uh, yes, you can connect to people easier, but the depth of connection is more shallow. Yeah. And when you're typing in a on a when you're typing on a um, on an iPad or an iP- or a phone, you know you're not saying a full sentence, and yeah. there's no one next to you. And in, in fact, um, there was a study I read that I thought was really interesting that they took kids to a camp where they could use no electronics for I think it was five or seven days, and what they found at the end was that they were able to read social cues better. Mm. So social media, uh, smartphones that made it harder for us to socialize and, yeah. uh, and even control our emotions. Um, you know, a lot of social media increases our anxiety, our depression, because what we see, what people post is their best life. And yeah. we're like, oh, my life sucks. <laughs> uh, they call it social comparison, you know, so interesting. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. And I think all of those pieces are really interesting. The, uh, the other piece I've heard before is the conversation around high-speed internet, because a lot of, like my generation grew up with internet, but that means dial-up, which means <laughs> you were waiting five minutes for the page to load. Oh, yeah. So you better not click the wrong link, because otherwise <laughs> five minutes later, you're like, that's not what I needed. <laughs> yeah. Um, but just that that instant... Instant like, gratification? Yeah. And the yeah. fact you can go through page to page to page, and yep. you know, most of us in our workday or our regular lives will have 10, 15 tabs open, mm. and... Because we can, and because we're like, oh, well, I was doing this thought, so I'm going to open this tab and start researching this. Yep. And two minutes later, you're like, wait, I forgot. I have to write this email. So you jump into that. Oh, I need to find out that. So, like, yeah. you end up with 100 scattered thoughts, but yeah. you're not really getting anything done. <laughs> and we uh, we used to call it multitasking, and they found out that there really isn't such a thing. Yes. You can only concentrate on one thing, um, so you're not as good at that one thing because you're doing multiple. Now, it's cool because we can do things fast, right? Yeah. Maybe you could only use it, you know, call somebody up on a phone if you want to talk to them. Now you can, like, text 15 people. Yeah. Things are fast. You can get more done. It's cool, but there's just some, some downsides we've got to be aware of. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> so then... You started, uh, so you went and you finally were able to go and finish your master's in counseling. Um, what happened after that then? Um, so I, I had to do practicum and into, so CAC rep is the name of the uh, accreditation that for counselors. And that re- they require um, one practicum and two internships. So it's a year and a half uh, after you get your, uh, well, at last part of the degree. Uh, year and a half of practice. And that time I did some um, 
English as a second language uh, teaching, uh, substitute teaching, and a bunch of other teaching. And uh, I did some counseling as well, uh, part-time, um, that uh, were very... Um, um, very rewarding working with kids. I found out I actually like working in elementary schools, which is surprising. Okay. <laughs> the little kids actually, they listen more. It was, it was cool. Yeah. Uh, but then at the end, uh, with my background, you know, doing a lot of planning and strategy and, you know, seeing a lot of different problems and um, solving problems and helping people was my passion. And it's hard to do that um, in, a, in a government entity yeah. or in a, in a local government like a public school. So I, I knew that going into private practice, I could do what I knew was best for the people that are seeking help yeah. and for my community. Yeah. Where, where do you feel those limitations are? Because, you know, we've, we've, we have come to this point where we have school counselors and we have, um, you know, in speaking with my counselor, he was saying how... Um, you know, there was a story that happened where a kid was talking about committing suicide and his friends who heard about this went to the school counselor and said, hey, our friend is thinking about this. They got in contact with another counselor. They got in contact with the parents. And then they, they started working through that stuff. That wouldn't have happened 20 years ago, I feel mm-hmm. like. So, um, so, but within that, there's still limitations. What do you feel are these limitations that they kind of have to work within? Um, I don't know if it's limit. I know that we're making great strides, and um, Washington, you know, finally, or I wouldn't say finally because I don't know what the other 50 states are doing, but they, they're, they're now uh, embracing putting school councils in every school. That's yeah. very recent and, and, and great, but there's more we need to do, right? Um, so why is it that we spend, that it takes so long to teach math, to teach English? And, I mean, I think we would all uh, argue that uh, it's harder to control our emotions to be good at socializing with others than it is to do math, but we spend, but, but we make it a lot, um, uh, we, we don't spend the same amount of time or even close to it. Um, and there's, because we're just now getting school counselors into schools, I think, and, and I've only, I only did school counseling for a year and a half, so I'm not the expert, uh, but we, we're not, we're not as good. We don't have that background and depth of knowledge on, uh, like we do in the other subjects. Um, and like I, uh, we were trying to look for um, curriculum for kids, elementary school kids, uh, who are suffering from um, um, uh, suicide ideation or um, or self-inflicting behaviors and depression. And there's some, but there isn't really a lot of comprehensive curriculum to teach kids what emotions are, where they come from, and then what are good skills, and then practice those skills. Uh, we have there's some curriculum out there, but as we've learned in business, thank you for the help you, you, you know, we, that you give a lot of us around here, is that businesses are out to make money. Yeah. They're not going to spend time on doing what's normally. They're not going to spend time unless there's a profit in it. So a lot of the things that are marketed, I think, are, are, may, not, may not be comprehensive or they might just be easy. So, uh, you know, I hope that, uh, that we keep improving our ability to teach social and emotional skills the same way we do trying to teach math and English, yeah, for instance. Absolutely. And I think that is, um, you know, one of the biggest challenges. I mean, our, our kids, we do a, like a, it's a private school, but it's kind of homeschooling. It's like one of those hybrid-y things. Um, but in that, you're, you're working with your kids, right? Day in and day out. And you see them have these wild emotions up and down. And you know, when you've got multiple kids in a household, um, at some point, the youngest gets frustrated and just hits the older one. And you're like, you can't just punch them. Well, I was angry. 
that's okay that you're angry, mm -hmm. but we need to figure out a different outlet for that. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I was just talking about that today that, um, you know, challenging our thoughts instead of accepting them and running with them and, and uh, perception is reality. Um, mm -hmm. So what... What, whatever happens, everyone will, people can perceive it differently. We get to choose what we believe about an event. And teaching kids to challenge their beliefs, I think, is critical. And I don't know if we're there yet. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So, um, so then you started doing, you did some school counseling um, and then decided you need to do private practice to really do what you wanted to do there. Um, how did that kind of all come about, like when you started to leave, deciding to leave the school counseling and, and step into the next step? Oh, man. Talk about anxiety. <laughs> uh, I, can't, I can't do business. I've never done a business before. I'm a, I'm a, a patriot, not a businessman, if you've heard, seen that movie. Uh, it was just a, a trial and error. Um, and in persistence, which I think we've talked about, you know, I, I, it's funny. I, the stuff I learned to help to counsel other people, I had to apply to myself a lot. When, <laughs> the um, hardest one. Oh my gosh. So, oh my God, it's the end of the world. How, how am I gonna, you know, this person won't let me rent from them. And then if you just think about the opportunities, focus on potential opportunities instead of thinking them as catastrophizing problems, <laughs> something always comes up. And, you know, for that instance, you know, I looked at some a place where I thought I could, I could rent from and, and it came out to be too expensive or they didn't, they didn't want to counsel there. And then that person said, oh, but go talk to, to this guy over there. Dr. Cooper is his name. And he's like, I would love to have a mental health counselor in with me. And it was boom. And now we're, patients come in and, and uh, they have pain related to anxiety or something else and and we get to cooperate with patients approval to help people holistically improve their uh, their physical and uh, um, mental and uh, overall well-being it's just awesome yeah no I love um, I've actually had uh, dr. Brian Cooper on the podcast before and um, he was just kind of I mean he was already started but like he was keep building that structure and like all of the things he wants to do and um, I think that's that's awesome because in in the medical industry, um, I I don't know what goes on behind the scenes, but it feels like everyone that every single form that you fill out with all your information, and everything gets tossed into the wind, <laughs> <laughs> and then you go to the next person, they're like, oh, okay, yeah. just fill this out. You're like, well, don't you have this information? No, yeah. we don't have this information. And yeah. so like, there's no connectivity between one person to the next, yeah. one doctor to the next, and so you're starting over you know, with every single doctor. And yeah. the fact that you're able to kind of bring all that together um, is, is really cool. Yeah, it is very cool. Uh, when in, about the limitations of the medical, and I'm not, you know, I'm not an expert, I'm just starting, but uh, interesting that I've never thought how hard it would be to help people use their insurance to pay for things. Mm -hmm. So that's where I spend a lot of my time now. Everyone said, hey, you, yeah, you're new, you're not gonna be able to use insurance at all. And I'm like, nah, nah, we can figure this out, right? That can't be right. And you know, six months later, I'm still I'm still trying to help people pay for mental health counseling with, with insurance, and it's amazing how uh, how difficult it's been. But now we're finding workarounds. We're like, all right, if uh, insurance companies won't let us bill them or reimburse, let's start a nonprofit. Let's see if we can have them pay a small fee, like a co-fee or a, a copay, and then you know the nonprofit will pay the pay the uh, remainder, and, and we'll, we'll expand access for all. We'll see how it works. Yeah, that's very cool. Um, so within the counseling then, um, what are some of the changes that you've noticed in the mental health space over your time as a counselor? Okay. Well, I haven't, 
I, you know, besides starting, you know, my training in 2002, I haven't really been practicing counseling all that long, but uh, obviously, um, you know, there's been an increase in anxiety, depression, other disorders, uh, increasing until a pandemic, I think 20%-ish, depending on the age you look at and what statistic, and then it just boomed, uh, you know, with the pandemic. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people are getting into that quote-unquote space. You see a lot of experts on mm -hmm. different social media. You see marketing for it. And, you know, we got to be careful on what we believe and what we go for. Yeah. Uh, there's some good stuff out there, but there's a lot of um, popular culture saying, you know, uh, self-care, uh, which, is, which is true, but there's a difference between self-care and take care of yourself first versus, you know, uh, good uh, about caring for your uh, or spending time on your, your your health and your exercise, you know, caring for yourself versus put yourself first are two different things, and it's a slippery slope. Yeah. So it's 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 good to try to help people and communities uh, get the right kind of um, techniques to help people, but it's it's a challenge. Yeah. So I want to go back to something you said there. You said it was on the rise, mental health. Um, you know. Uh, whether that's anxiety, depression, all those things, were on the rise leading up to COVID. And obviously we've seen what COVID has done and everything to that. Um, <clears throat> what did you guys, uh, based on maybe your colleagues or what you've seen, why do you think you were, we were starting to see that rise? On one hand, I feel like throughout my age or my, my years of growing up, that I just heard more about it. So like, I feel like mm -hmm. more things are being tracked, more data, yeah. right? Um, but is there also things that, from that generation or whatever that you guys feel like, well, these things were factors in that. Um, I'm probably not the best person to ask that. They're, they're probably doing research on that right now or still doing research mm -hmm. on it. Social media is definitely one of them. Um, you know, I think um, electronic use, definitely one of them. Um, and, uh, and I think we're just busier now, you know, be those and other reasons, um, you know, we spend less time with people, kind of yeah. like we were talking about. And there's a, there's a big connection between the social and the emotional, um, both in brain development and de uh, development in, in general and how you connect with others. Uh, but in the present moment also, if you're not well connected socially, you're, you're, you're going to have a hard time emotionally. Mm -hmm. So then, um, you know, for parents out there, if they're raising kids, you know, anywhere along that spectrum... Um, what are things that you would suggest for parents that are, are raising kids, you know, to increase their social and emotional well-being? Okay. Um, so I, I, try, I, I, um, I try to teach parents or offer to, to parents that there's three parts to educating or, or, or teaching. I'd say parenting because who am I to tell somebody how to parent their kid, yeah. right? But yeah. there's three parts. There's, there's the teaching part, there's the coaching part, and then there's the role modeling. Um, so the teaching part, you got you to teach the why. If you really want somebody to understand something and grasp onto it and, and really incorporate it into their life, you got to teach them the background. So uh, that's, that's something I think we should be doing in schools and something I try to do in private practice is brain science, you know, how the amygdala works, how it controls your emotions, uh, how, how hormones, you know, from the amygdala, uh, signaled by the amygdala control your body, your fight or flight response. And not only does that does that help them understand you can control it, but also, quote unquote, normalizes it. So they don't feel like they're alone, like it's a normal human response. So the, 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 the science or the, the, the why behind what you want to teach somebody is important. And then the uh, coaching is, 
is just practice, practice, practice. And uh, Dr. Kasdan has got a, I love that guy. He does um, uh, ABA um, uh, therapies for kids, and, and I think uh, his, his university has a center. And I love where he talks about um, um, focusing on the rewards and not so much the punishment. And that's that we've, a lot of us probably heard that. And I'm kind of old school, so I hate to think, oh, I'm not going to be too soft, right? But really, when you're, when you're coaching um, uh, a, a kid to do something, you want to, like, go crazy, crazy in your praise. You know, good job, bud, good job, depending on their age. If it's a teenager, it might just be a, you know, fist bump or something, good job. <laughs> but uh, you got to practice with them, reward them for doing the right thing, and then maybe most of the time ignore the stuff you don't want. If you give somebody attention, if you give an adult or a kid attention for doing something that you don't want to do, what you're doing is reinforcing that. So the coaching and the practicing and the rewarding is very important. And then role modeling. I wouldn't say role modeling is the most important because some people I've seen where people say, well, you know, they, they do the right things, but their kid's not just not doing it. Well, we haven't done the first two parts. But you can do the first two parts right, but if you aren't role modeling, it's not going to work. They're going to mm-hmm. say, look what mom and dad does. That must be the way to act. Yeah. So, and again, I'm not, I, 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 who am I to, to say how we should parent, but there's three, three parts. You got to teach them, and you got to practice or coach, practice and coach with them, and then you got to role model. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and I think those are important. And I do feel um, between my wife and I, we've been working in that of like, how do we want to parent our kids? And, you know, obviously every parent that steps into parenting, you've, the only little bit of playbook you have is what did my parents do? Which is a very, very small sample size. Yeah. And all they had was what did my parents do? Yeah. And um, if you have, if you're breaking family, uh, you know, generational trauma or generational mm-hmm. ways of things, which both um, of our parents were doing that, they had to figure it out on their own. Um, and so then we're getting a step up from that because we don't have to deal with our own trauma in that. Right. And we get to use that as an example and then build from that. Um, but that is something that every parent enters into this different, at a different level, at Mm -hmm. a different stage. Yeah. And we all see the world differently. I mean, you look at Facebook or anywhere where there's something political gets thrown out. There's a, a million different responses of different viewpoints of it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I totally agree uh, that, it, you know, what, what skills we come into anything, parenting in this case, is our starting point. And it really, and it can be very painful for someone to try to coach their kid when they don't have the same skills. I mean, that's, that's me. I didn't grow up having good emotional and social skills, so that's why I struggled. Uh, you know, my mom, God bless her soul. Well, she's still alive. No, I'm not talking, not saying that she's not around, but, um, <laughs> you know, she, she's a single mom, had to raise four kids. So, you know, wow. she didn't have time or the knowledge to teach me how to control my emotions and socialize with others. So I had to learn as I grew up. And, but that also taught me the importance of teaching my kids that became my mission uh, and maybe why I want to help others. Um, there's also some good uh, research out there that uh, the skills we come in with, that, um, that determines how we handle events, like whether it's post-traumatic stress or post-traumatic growth. Um, mm. there can, but in those struggles as in parenting, your kids are going to learn how they're going to watch you, you're role modeling how you handle those things. And struggling is not 
a bad thing. In fact, I'd say it's beneficial. Yeah. I mean, if your if your kids are important to you, aren't they worth struggling for? Do you struggle at work? Yeah. yeah. Aren't your kids more important than work? And and um, and struggling is a good thing. That's how we succeed in life by facing problems, not running away from them, and overcoming them, persisting through them. And our kids are going to see that, and they're going to say, "If my parents can struggle, I'm, I'm actually stealing this from my favorite books. If my parents can struggle, then struggling must be good. Yeah. And I can struggle. Yeah. That's very cool. Um, so then, um, with that, then. Uh, Another thing I want to ask you about for practicality's sake is, you know, we are living in a digital age. Uh, there's new things. There's more things coming out every day. Um, and again, parenting is going to be on the spectrum, right? There's some parents that are going to let their kids, you know, the digital world is here. So let's let them do everything digital because that's what they're going to live in. And then there's the other end of the spectrum of, I didn't need it when I was a kid. They don't need it now. So they're yeah. not getting it till they're out of the house. Yeah. But in there... What are just tips and tricks that you feel are useful for parents to be aware of yeah. when it comes to screen time, social yep. media, things like that? Well, that's tough, right? Because aren't we on our phones all the time? What? No. Who are we that? to say our kids shouldn't be on the phone all the time, right? <laughs> I mean, before the pandemic, I heard, you know, one hour of screen time a day. <laughs> Not possible when you're learning at home. Hmm. So I've heard lately two hours a day, and, and I'm still struggling with that, how to teach it and how to parent it. But I think, going back to the struggle, <laughs> it's a conversation <laughs> with your kids. It's teaching them why, and they're going to get, excuse my language, they're going to get pissed, right? Yeah. Uh, who You know, my all my friends are on all day. They're doing games all day. They're on their phone all day. They're on this stuff. Well, you got to teach them that they're with, for instance, for social media, a necessary Eva, I call it. There's pros and there's cons. You have to use social media to be able to connect, to be able to uh, market, to be able to do daily life. Um, but there's also some downsides. So get involved with what your kids are doing. Uh, they're not going to like it at first, but over time they'll get to understand if you are open to the conversation. It's got to be a conversation. Again, why? Teach them why. Why, why am I involved with this? Um, why am I limiting it? And, you know, go through, go for, uh, use that, they call it, um, uh, don't use the authoritarian style, use the authoritative. Authoritarian would be like, it's because I said so. You may have a good reason, but kids are going to be like, uh, that's not enough for me. Yeah. Uh, authoritative is, hey, here's why this is not a good idea. Um, you can choose to limit yourself, but I know you're not ready for that, so I'm going to help you. Yeah. And, and then reward them, set up a reward system. Uh, or, and reward them with more screen time when they do those things you want them to do. It's a, it's a long process. It's painful, but, you know, there's no job better in the world, right? Mm -hmm. So it's worth it. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's really good. I think that's something we struggle with all the time. We go back and forth. It's like, um, you know, a lot of times for us, it's attitudes, right? So, like, we notice that if, um, you know, especially our youngest, because he's the youngest and probably most influential, and he, there is, like, a there's a three-year gap there, and it's something where really learning um, that the, the other, you know, the three oldest kids are very close together. But the youngest one, that three-year gap is fairly significant at their age. So, mm -hmm. like, there's things that the three older, when they do something or watch something or play something, oh, yeah. it doesn't affect them as heavily as the youngest. Right. Um, so, you know, we're trying to learn that. Like, how do you parent multi-aged kids that yeah. have enough of a split that it does make a difference? 
Yeah, I haven't figured that one out great either, especially <laughs> on like movies, you know. Uh, okay, yeah, you can watch PG-13, you can watch R if it's with me, you yeah. are still on G. <laughs> um, so, you know, sometimes it would, maybe that's a good opportunity to spend one-on-one time with one of the kids. Yes. You know, okay. All right, yeah, you can you can watch, I don't know, pick pick your movie uh, um, that's, you know, pr- probably you wouldn't let him watch alone and you're hesitant to let him watch, but you're like, ah, okay, yeah, watch it with me. And then you let your other son or daughter go watch something else in their in their room or after they go to sleep. Yeah, but yeah, that that is tricky. Yeah, very cool. So, um, uh, what are your hopes for uh, specifically in the San Camino area for the in the mental health space? I know that that's now you're kind of getting started and all of that. What are your kind of your goals there? Uh, well, really, the re, uh, my goal is to really in, help people and enjoy doing it. So I'm trying to get that balance, right? Um, And in helping people with regard to mental health, it's about helping people access it. That's a big problem everywhere right now, right? Um, It's, uh, you know, is it cost effective because insurance won't pay a lot of counselors or won't reimburse it? Uh, or do they not have insurance? Or is or there's a, something I learned recently called underinsured. If you've got a $4,000 deductible, then you're really not using your insurance until you pay out of pocket $4,000. And who can do that? Um, and because insurance is so hard, a lot of counselors have decided not to accept insurance, mm-hmm. or some of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I know I've been, tr- I've been trying to get insurance to pay for a couple of people, and I know some of my clients have been trying to reimburse for six months. And if you want to call and check, you're on hold for an hour. Yeah. Um, so, so one thing I'm looking forward to doing is, is we mentioned it earlier before, is maybe uh, working with a nonprofit uh, and trying to get some grants to to help counselors pay or reduce the cost. Um, so for instance, if it's a new counselor like me who can't bill insurance, then uh, you know I charge you know, 40, 50 bucks, whatever the core uh, fee is, and then the, the insurance company or the uh, nonprofit reimburses maybe. And then for those who, 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 uh, who don't use insurance because it's, it's, it's a struggle to work with them, then maybe we encourage them by that. Hey, you don't have to go through your insurance company. Just charge them fifty, and we'll give you the rest of your fee. Wow. Uh, I, th- this is going to be hard to do. I know it's it's. Uh, it sounds Pollyannish, but I think it's a first start. And then we got to we got to work on legislation, right? Uh, a lot of times they point to rules that aren't really there, and I'm not an expert, but we got to work on legislation to um, to help in, uh, make it easier to find counselors uh, that are willing to take uh, more insurance. And uh, and increase the training so there's more out there. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree, and I think um, that's something that um, has helped me so much uh, in counseling. Is just it's it's that kind of that process going day, you know, going in and out of it of um, just working through things because we all go through life. Um, and and I always when I talk about myself counseling, um, part of the reason I pull that up is. Um, I think if most people saw my life on a spectrum, they would be like, you kind of had a perfect life growing up. You know, no one has a perfect life growing up. But as far as perfect lives go, like, I had two great parents. Um, you know, I found my uh, wife very young, and we just, it, we matched well. Like, we just have gone through life young together and have continued to work on that and be on that same page as we go through. Cool. Um, 
And I still feel like I still need counseling. Um, and so for anyone that falls out of that side, I'm like, they need it. But the other thing is that cost and those, those availability of like, you know, on one hand, there's a lot of counselors that are booked out for a long time, so they can't get in. Yeah. Um, and then two, it's that, that cost. Yeah. And I think that's the important piece of being able to bring this down to everyone because I think everyone yeah. will benefit from it. Yeah, totally. Um, so San Juan Camino Area Foundation, and I'm gonna I'm gonna throw somebody under the bus for the next. Your, for when you ask me <laughs> who who I'd recommend, Michelle Meany, uh, she's starting a nonprofit uh, to provide group therapy uh, for those that are comfortable and for anxiety, for instance. Everyone, everyone uh, experiences that. It's not. It's part of the human existence. It's part of what we go through, and we got to learn to deal with it and not and not worry about it, uh, not run away from it. Uh, that's a great uh, thing to teach skills for in a group setting. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, sorry, going back to what you what you were saying on um, um, hit me one more time. Accessibility sorry. or <laughs> or just getting count. Uh, I suck. What was the original question? <laughs> oh, I, I was going off on my own story. But just just kind of that idea of um, regardless of what level you're at. You oh, yes. Solve. the to- Yeah. So so I apologize. Uh, the, the, the tools, we can get them out. We can get tools out to people through groups, through increasing uh, individual uh, counseling. And then uh, I, I think we also need to, to start teaching it younger. Yeah. Uh, kind of like we were saying at the beginning, you know, um, get that. Get those lessons to kids in school where um, they're learning about how, you know, brain science, how the body works, this, and that it's normal and that yes. they can, so, because right now we teach, well, a lot of times we teach people to avoid it. And I don't mean teach in schools, but in general, we teach people anxiety is bad, depression is bad, run away from it, which is the exact opposite of what you want to do. Uh, so we need to get those skills to kids at a younger age and, um, so, because it is right, it, skills we all need to be able to control emotions and socialize and succeed in life. Yeah, well, and one of the, the biggest tools I feel like um, I'm continually that that has been come up multiple times throughout counseling for me is uh, curious uh, curiosity, hmm. and and when you have those feelings, when you have these awesome. these moments where you're not sure, like why did I think that? Why did I do that? Why did I react so quickly at mm-hmm. that way? Um, is to pause and and reflect on it and don't be angry at yourself because like oh, yeah. I can't believe you did that uh, that's usually my response um, and don't be disgusted with yourself like I can't believe yeah. I had that thought um, yeah. but be curious why did I think that way why you know when it comes to all these different pieces why and, yeah. and then you're looking at whatever the reaction was as an object not yeah. as yourself that you did this but as this object of why did why yeah that's awesome I talk about that a lot of times and I just like you I'm cool that you say that because I'm the same way I have low self-worth a lot of times and I always think the worst of what people are thinking of me or myself in general so yeah you want to when you feel that anxiety uh, frustration or or sadness whatever it is is um, so stop is an acronym that I use sometimes Uh, just stop for one second or stop for half a minute and just say hey I'm I'm feeling something Uh, take a breath uh, just take a, call it a parasympathetic breath. Inhale through the diaphragm. Exhale as slow as you possibly can. And it just slows your body down. And, it, and the hope is that it puts it into a parasympathetic state, which is the opposite of fight or flight. And then observe with curiosity and without judgment, what am I feeling? What am I thinking? 
And the, the way you said it was, was really key is a lot of times we'll feel or think something and we'll immediately judge ourselves. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a guy who invented REBT, Rational Motive Behavior Theory, Dr. Ellis. I like how he said it. He's like, why would you, you never, you never um, score a run in baseball or get an A on test and say, I'm the best baseball player ever or I'm the, I'm the best mathematician ever. Yeah. Why do you make one mistake or make one, do one thing not perfect and you say you're the worst person ever? Yeah. But that's our tendency. Uh, so looking at it as if it's not yourself, uh, like you're watching a movie or a train go by, uh, and observing it as, as an outside observer with curiosity is, is, is the way, and they call it metacognition, you know, what am I, what am I thinking about and why, but without judgment. It, I, lo- I love that you bring that up. Yeah. And just because I think I might have missed it in there, what's the P stand for in the stop acronym? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, proceed to do something. So there, that's where the skills come in. Yeah, sta wouldn't really work very well, would it? Or stow. <laughs> There's a bunch of different stuff you can do. One thing that that I'm trying to learn to get better at to, for myself and to help others is called distress tolerance. Don't run away from whatever's making you feel anxious or frustrated or sad because that creates that neural pathway to want you to run away every time. So you want to just, just sit in it. <laughs> I heard somebody I did training with a couple weeks ago say, like a buddy, put your arm around it. Come on, man, we're going to do this. And you know, humor <laughs> works. And uh, it's going to go away in about 15 minutes. Yeah. So the longer you learn to sit with your anxiety or your frustration or your sadness, the more you tolerate it, the less it makes you feel yeah. anxious and, um, and depressed or um, frustrated. Yeah. It's funny. You, you say all this stuff. Um, <clears throat> Uh, it's funny to me how many times mental and physical health relate to each other. Um, because when you were talking about all those different things about sitting with it and just pushing through that and just waiting there mm-hmm. with it, um, reminds me of when I was going through a phase where I was attempting to do cold showers. And me as a kid, <laughs> I was terrible. Like when it comes to cold at all, as soon as it hit, I would run away. Um, <laughs> I'd be like, nope, can't handle it. But I was practicing, like, okay, I'm just going to push through this and see what it's like. Cool. And so, you know, I look up strategies. They're like, set a timer on your watch for, like, 20 seconds. Yep. So you're going to do 20 seconds in this, and then you can jump out and do whatever you want. Um, but it was. It was eventually your body actually regulates to it, and mm-hmm. it, you stop shivering, and your mm-hmm. body just is calm. And you're like, mm-hmm. this is weird. I've never felt this, being this cold and not, like, having to jump out of it yeah and it's that it was reminding me of that like from a mental perspective that same thing yep yeah i think it's uh i think it goes back to cognitive behavior theory which is what you what you think and believe is what you'll feel and then that's how you'll act so you know if you believe that you're freezing that you're cold you're you're gonna actually feel those things in your body and and sometimes i mean practice this at home just uh if you if you're in a cold situation or hot situation, tell yourself the opposite. If it's, if it's hot out, yeah, it's cold around here. It's cold. And if you actually try to believe it, you'll, you'll start feeling less hot. Um, going back to exercise and uh, the physical, uh, I know Will Smith's got a lot of, uh, a lot of junk lately uh, right in the past year, but he, he had a really cool uh, Nickelodeon speech, I think it was, if anybody wants to look it up, where... Um, where he talks about running and persistence. And he says he loves to run because you get to practice that thing on your shoulder, that 
uh, like you know the belief in cognitive behavior theory that that little uh, that little voice says you can't do it you can't do it and you get to tell them yes I can and you keep going and you learn to persist and keep going um, and exercise is probably one of the best things to help us with the mental if you're talking about physical and mental you release those neurochemicals the same ones that make you happy make you uh, less stressed out and um, it'll help especially in the morning really helps you throughout the day yeah that's awesome yeah I think those are all like uh, there's so many things you've said throughout this that I'm like man each one of those pieces like if you just take that and write it on a note card and just you know just put it somewhere that you're going to see it so you're like oh when this happens I need to stop and then write your acronym and, and go through those steps because as you practice these and go through these um, you start to be able to deal with different things and handle things differently. Mm -hmm. um. Yeah, yeah. You know, when you start to look at something not as the end of the world, um, then you can see it for what it is and you can choose how you want to perceive that. Um, and, and, and my hope is that working with uh, Michelle throwing her under the bus and some other people that we can get those tools, those skills out to the community. Uh, and help them in a way that's that that will be very you know cost effective or nothing um, to to people and whether it's individual counseling groups or in schools. Yeah, that's awesome. So um, we've talked a lot about counseling and stuff like that. Um, so now that you're no longer in the school system and stuff like that, what would you say your specialty is within counseling? What are you really going to be focusing in on? Uh, well, I've done a lot with the anxiety piece, trying to help people um, learn how that works and how they can uh, control it, uh, but especially have a heart for helping students and veterans and first responders. And But I want to help anyone in my community. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, Camano's my home, um, so no matter the background or, or the issue, um, and my my first supervisor, I'm sure she's not listening, told me you can't you can't help people over 70. You haven't been trained in geriatrics. <laughs> and I'm like, why would I turn away someone in need? <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll definitely say, hey, there's somebody more experienced. Uh, you know, I'd love to to connect you to someone with more skills. But but a lot of times, you know, it's hard to find someone. So um, you know, I'll help any anyone who's in need. But uh, those are my um, probably the probably the people that, I, that I'm probably the most skilled or experienced with. Yeah. And then what do you see as the future of Camino Counseling? Um, so we're working, on, working with a nonprofit to help make an uh, individual counseling more, more um, accessible. I would love to start, I was talking to somebody about providing um, um, persistence or emotional and social skills training to first responders, to, really to help uh, prevent PTSD and, and, and better handle traumatic uh, events because, you know, our first responders are out there putting their lives on the line every day, right? Uh, and I love to do that with the military, but I'd have to call it combat effectiveness training probably, so it doesn't sound so fluffy, <laughs> which is true though, you know, uh, yeah. like you were saying, you come into a situation with certain skills you grew up with and not everybody's the same. So, um, you know, there's a lot of times that I was scared, you know, uh, doing different things in the military or, or down on myself when things didn't go right. And if I would have had those skills, I would have been more effective. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'd love to bring those, uh, those skills to our, our veterans um, in active duty and, um, and um, 
people are out, out of active duty now to help them not only be effective in their current job, but also to deal with things they've gone through and be more happy and successful. Yeah. Well, and, and what you're saying there, too, I think is so important. Um, I think a lot of people see mental health uh, or the mental health space. Hopefully it's changing, but historically it's been, well, if you've got issues, that's where you go. Yeah. But I've seen... Uh, you know, I'm, I enjoy watching like gaming competitions or, or soccer, you know, sports and stuff like that. And the amount of there, there's a, a certain amount of skill that you have to get to, to to be effective on the field or in a game or something like that. But when it comes to the actual competition and the piece like that makes or breaks it in a tournament boils down to your mental strength. Mm -hmm. It's so fascinating to me when you see that, you know, if you watch certain games, you just see they broke mentally. And all of a sudden, yeah. they make these dumb mistakes over and over, and they lose. They yeah. were winning, and they lost. Or and somebody comes back in the second half. Yeah, yeah. it's just crazy. Yeah. Like, it's the mental health that makes it or breaks it. It's not your skills. It, there's a yeah. level that you need, but past that, it's your mental capability. The, the persistence, the ability to see a situation as an opportunity and not a problem. Yeah. And almost everything in life can be seen one way or the other. Yeah. You know, I think we've all experienced traumatic events. Uh, if we persist through it, we can look back saying, wow, that probably happened to me for a reason. I'm now a better person, a better father, a better counselor, whatever, because I dealt with that. Yeah. So, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, again, I hope people go back through this podcast and take notes on some of these things because I do think there's just so many tools that you've mentioned today that um, will be really helpful as we uh, move forward and, and so thank Thanks. you. Appreciate it. I like to end every podcast with some rapid fire questions. So the first one is what purchase of a hundred dollars or less have you enjoyed the most in the last three months? Oh boy. I uh, bought my wife a present that I can't, Oh, she's not going to, she's not going to watch this. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> it's a, um, uh, a nurse's or a, she's a phlebotomist, a, uh, Hawaiian, uh, outfit, uh, that sh she can wear at uh, work. Okay. Awesome. All right. Uh, who is the most influential person outside of your family in your life? Well, let's see. Besides the TIE fighter pilot and, and, and <laughs> TC from Magna PI, I guess uh, it, uh, I have a friend uh, named Don who, uh, who helped me learn to look at myself and how I can be a better person rather than trying to change others when I was, you know, in a, he was my boss, uh, you know, about 10 years ago in the military. And uh, he, he made me a better man. So, you know, I appreciate Don for that. That's great. All right. This is a fill-in-the-blank question. I know this is weird, but I've always wanted to blank. Play electric guitar. That was easy. <laughs> so, out of curiosity, do you have one sitting in your garage oh, that yeah. you're like, someday I will play you? Oh, yeah. I bought it in college. So, <laughs> yeah, I w what, I went to college five years ago, ten years ago? Okay, 30 years ago. It's been <laughs> sitting there. I remember when I was getting into guitar for a while. Um, I was like, oh, yeah, I really enjoy this. And, and my there was a hand-me-down one that I got, and I was like, perfect, I can play on this. And then I went to the guitar store because I was like, well, I'm kind of learning about guitar. And as soon as you walk in, you're like, oh, yeah, no, I can see myself playing that one. <laughs> and then you look at the price tag, you're like, no, nope. a few thousand, okay, <laughs> save up for it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's a good thing I did not buy that. But um, I'm glad you still have that hopes and dreams, and I believe Someday. in you, you can do it. <laughs> All right, we've already hit on the interesting, fascinating person to interview next. So the last one I'm going to ask you, and this should be a good one because you're also a counselor. What piece of advice would you give your 20-year-old self? Oh, boy. Um, 
it's probably what Don and others have taught me is to, no matter what happens, no matter what situation, what uh, some, what other people do, you know, we can we have the ability to recognize and and manage our, our thoughts mm. and our emotions and our actions, and that's all we can do in life is is uh, control what ourselves we can't control others so Absolutely. dwelling on what others or other situations might have done or, or did is just pointless and makes it worse yeah well thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today thanks brand appreciate it <laughs> all right and islanders i will talk to you on the next one well a big thank you to dan for joining me on the podcast today and thank you for listening if you haven't already be sure to rate review and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform it really helps be found by other islanders like yourself. And for more information on this episode, you can go to tomatocommons.com slash podcast. That's tomatocommons.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening and see you next time.